0: Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. I'm reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The gospel of the Lord. So I'd like to bring to the service an awareness of our first reading, our gospel today, and then next week's first reading and gospel, they all have to do with calls, calls, God calling those, God calling people to himself um, for particular missions. And so today we had Samuel in our first reading, who's called by God as a young man, a teenager or a kid even. Um, and in the gospel, we hear about three of the apostles and their first call. Next week, we'll hear about Jonah the prophet, and we'll also hear another call of Jesus' apostles in the gospel. And so as we're looking at all these calls, we want to pay attention and be very cognizant of the fact that God is personal. God is personal. And if you miss that, you miss everything. God is relational. God is personal. Everything that we do as Catholics, everything that we've ever done as Catholics, move us into the relational, the relational reality of the life of God. That's what it's all about. God is a personal God. God is not, as, as many people probably don't even realize they think, As a type of clock maker who sets the clock gets it going and then lets it do its thing meaning God created us we can think in the back of our minds God created me he does his thing up there I do my thing down here I try to kind of live a good life and do the right thing according to what he's asked me to do Um, that's that's not how that's just not reality it's just not how it works Um, Jesus is very, very particular about the things that, and the intimacy with which God knows us. Jesus says, every single hair on your entire head is counted. God didn't just allow some process to unfold and then get away from it. Everything that happens on earth, all of reality, is dependent on God himself as the philosophers and theologians used to comment, were God to stop thinking of us, we would cease to exist. Meaning, our very breaths, every breath that we take, is dependent upon God thinking us and holding us into being in reality. So yes, God is intimately involved in everything all the time. We are in God, as St. Paul says. We live in Him, we have our being Through Him and with Him. And so when God calls us, He does it in a personal way. And it's not just for people from the Scriptures. God calls all of us to Himself and we should know our own stories. How did God call me to Himself? Maybe as a child, I got to know Him through my parents. And maybe it wasn't as a child. Maybe it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I came to know God. Or maybe my parents kind of brought me to church and I, I got to know God in some kind of way. And then, and maybe I went through the motions, maybe I was, as the term goes, a punch card Catholic or punch card Christian, getting my card punched, coming and doing the things that I'm supposed to do. But at a certain point, I just fell in love with God. Um, we have all these different ways... We have all these different ways of coming to know God um, and falling in love with God. We should all know the story of, if we are married, and I think we probably do naturally, of how we met our spouse. Sometimes when I meet a widow or a widower after their husband or wife died, I'm very, very moved, very moved as a priest to hear the animation, almost almost like they come alive when they start talking about when they first got to know their spouse, who they spent the rest of their life with. Fifty years ago, they remember those moments. It's really very beautiful. Uh, This is you know, a 90-year-old person recalling with vivid memory how they fell in love with their spouse. And uh, we should know our story with God. We should know our story with how God called us. Likewise, our writer for the Gospel, the Gospels didn't just fall out of the sky, they are written by real people. This Gospel was written by one of Jesus' twelve apostles. His name was John. Um, Now, John has a few different names in our tradition. He's known as John the Apostle, John the Evangelist, the bringer of good news, that's what that word means, And he's known as John the Theologian because he was so deep. And we're going to see as we examine this passage just how deep John, just a glimpse into how deep John the Theologian was. And so, John here, we can imagine as an older man, as an apostle. John was the youngest of Jesus' apostles. John was probably, John the Apostle was probably 15, maybe 16 years old when he first started following Jesus. Back then, that was, you know, you were coming to age. You might have got married or betrothed around that age. Um, We grow up a lot slower now uh, than they did back then. And John got to know Jesus and started his life call right here in this passage. We're hearing John, who actually lived to be the, the oldest out of the 12 apostles, so he's the youngest, and he lived the longest. He probably was about 100 years old or so when he died, or in his 90s. He got to see the growth of the early church as a bishop, Bishop of Ephesus. And he took care of Mary until she left, Blessed Virgin Mary. And so John, we could just kind of hear in this writing, kind of like I was talking about with the widower, the widower, describing their first encounter with the love of their life that would change their life forever, the trajectory of their life forever. So here we hear John's origin story and his call. John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. John the Baptist, not the John I was just talking about. John the Baptist had two, uh, two disciples with him. The two disciples with John the Baptist were John, who I just spoke about, and Andrew, who we'll hear about. He's the brother of Peter, who, the guy who will eventually be called Peter. So they were... Before they were apostles of Jesus, they became part of the twelve apostles. They were actually disciples of John the Baptist. John was standing. John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, "Behold the Lamb of God." The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. So, so John beautifully, John the Baptist, so beautifully. He forms them. He gets them ready. He says, I am not the end. And he's getting them ready for this encounter where they are going to do something more important. They're going to find the Messiah. They're going to find Jesus. They're going to find God. All in one. So John sends them. And they go. Two of his disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned. Just imagine this visually. Jesus turned and saw him and saw them following him. And he said, you know, you just see Jesus seeing these two guys following him. And he says, what are you looking for? And this, we're going to see in this little dialogue just so much depth. This is why John is called John the Theologian. So much depth. What are you looking for? This is the very heart of what it means to be a human being is we have all these desires and we've got to sort through them. Some of the desires that we have in our hearts are self-destructive. They they, they are very loud. They call to us, as we heard St. Paul say in the second reading, but they ultimately are not the, des- the deepest desires of our heart, the desires that actually lead us to have life. So many people live in deep places of depression and anxiety, in places of self-imposed hatred, uh, hatred of self, hatred of others. A lot of this is a matter of noticing the movements within us, our desires. What are our desires? Are they they merely earthly desires? What are we seeking? Are we seeking honor, prestige? Are we seeking riches and wealth, the building up of barns, power? Are we just pleasure seekers? We just want to comfort ourselves. We want to cocoon ourselves with entertainment and warmth and the pleasures of this life. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? The deepest desire of the human heart, if we're to sift through, is the desire for God and the desire to have communion with others. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment, they asked Jesus. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the dimensions that help direct the heart of human beings. If we're moving in those two, if the overall arch, the storyline of our lives, is towards those two things, towards love of God and love of neighbor, we have successfully navigated the direction of our hearts. St. Augustine says, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. There is nothing deeper than that desire that we have to be with God, that emptiness that we often feel as human beings, type of existential emptiness, lacking. That's a type of emptiness that is meant to point us to and lead us towards relationship nothing else is going to fill that hole we get short-term solutions people go into all sorts of forms of abuse trying to fulfill this desire they numb that desire with alcohol and drugs and pleasure and this and that and all these preoccupations ultimately that is for god what are you seeking jesus says they said to him rabbi Where are you staying? Again, you spend a whole retreat praying about this. Jesus, where are you? Where are you staying? We want to go where Jesus is staying. Jesus, we want you to teach us, to show us where you are. Teach us how to get to you. Teach us how to hear you when you speak to us. This is the moral life, and it's the life of prayer. The moral life with our actions, as St. Paul says in the second reading here, the moral life itself allows us to find God. The life of prayer helps us to find God. Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus says to them, "Come." and you will see. This is, again, the depth of John here. Come, and then you will see. Not see, and then you will come. That's not how it works. The life of faith and the life of deep relationship is always a, is always a, a place of vulnerability. That's what faith is. Faith is taking the step without actually knowing how it's going to turn out. Now, we know that he's calling us to do certain things in life, and we want to control. No, I want to see before we come. Jesus says, no, come and you will see. You'll see it after, but I'm asking you to take that step of faith. I love the Indiana Jones image of uh, the last crusade when he's got to take that step on that bridge and he knows that's the thing that he's supposed to do but he he's he knows it's there he knows it's there he knows he's being called to do it he's doing it out of love he takes the step and he's just so scared and then he steps and he finds his foot lands on ground And then afterwards you could see the bridge I hope we all know that movie Um. This is the life of faith in relationship with Jesus. Anything meaningful that any of us do in this church ever will be in the sequence described here. We take the step and then we see it. That is a step of faith. You can't know everything about the person you're going to marry. You can't know how your life's going to turn out. You might just know, the heart knows, I need to spend the rest of my life with this person. I need to make my life commitment to them. For me as a priest, I can tell you over and over again, I struggle with this question. I try to figure out every way of kind of, I don't see how this can make me happy. I don't see how I can find meaning in this life as a priest. I knew God was calling. I didn't really want to follow because I didn't have the answers. And I didn't have control. The ball wasn't in my court. He was saying, I want you to take a step. I'll show you on the back end. You're not going to see it till you do it, though. Come first and then you will see. That is faith. It's the only way to grow in faith in relationship with God and with others for that matter. We put ourselves in the hands of the Master. That's an act of trust. In the hands of the lover. So they went where Jesus was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Notice the vivid details that John recalls years later. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew who was one of the two that Jesus was having this conversation with? The brother of Simon Peter was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then Andrew brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon. And he said, and here we don't know, did Jesus know all the things that he would go through with this man? Did he have a premonition that this was the guy that he was going to have all these experiences with? He probably did by what he says next. um, He probably knew that this was the guy who he was going to build his church on. This would be the rock. That's what the word Peter means. It means rock. So we just kind of can imagine Jesus probably excited himself, very deeply excited to meet Peter for the first time. God is excited to be in relationship with us. It's not just us pursuing God. God pursues us to get our imagination in this place. If you're a parent, just think about how much love you have for your children. We are God's sons and daughters. Think about how horrible. You probably don't even want to bring your imagination into the space of thinking. What if I didn't have my child? What if I lost my child? We have such a great love for our children. We should understand that God has so much more. more than Because those desires for our children come from God. How much greater is God's desire for us? It's beyond comprehension. Jesus looked at Simon and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus renames him. And of course, when relationships make us who we are, these major relationships. We're nothing without our relationships. And so, we are something before, and we are something after in these in these relationships that's what the life of god we are sub the world was something before and after jesus we note this as we say bc and ad that's before jesus or after jesus everything changed after that and this is the same in our marriages our relationships when we have children it's like before life after life of this person these relationships they recreate us god himself recreates us that's why it makes sense that peter gets renamed god is transforming us if we're in relationship with him and we are we're anyone who has been with god and you know what I'm talking about right now you are not the same as before you had this encounter with the living god Lord, we ask you to help us to be aware and cognizant with great gratitude of our own personal, intimate call from you. You have called us before we even existed, Lord. Our names were inscribed upon your mind before we came into being. We're thankful for the gift of our natural life, our natural creation we're also thankful for the gift of our supernatural creation and baptism. Thank you for the graces which lead our hearts to our heavenly homeland and to the life and dwelling with the Holy Trinity and the Blessed Mother of Jesus. Continue to help us to sift through all the complex desires of our heart, And navigate and follow the the main desire, the most important one, which ultimately leads to you. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer. And maybe we could use this time in silent prayer just to consider our own stories with God.